So I've realized after 12 and a half years of marriage that there are two things that cannot be broken. And if either of these two things are broken, my wife and I just end up on this crazy cycle. And some of you that have been married for a long time know where I'm going. The first thing that cannot be broken is our air conditioner. (laughs) I remember nine years ago, in the month of August, in our first house, my wife was seven months pregnant. And it was such a hot August. It was not pretty. I thought, there's no way our marriage is going to last. And we haven't even had a kid yet, our first kid. I went out, found on Craigslist one of these huge air conditioning units, bought it, and it was like having a pet. It was so big, we called it R2-D2. And that got us through. And the second thing that cannot be broken in my house is the dishwasher. We love to eat. We love to entertain. And to wash dishes takes an hour, an hour and a half, and then you have to sit and let them dry. And two months ago, our dishwasher broke. And we live in a very old house, and our dishwasher is very small. It fits into a tiny slot, but it's very powerful. And I found out later, when you have a small, powerful dishwasher, it means it's very expensive. (laughs) And so two and a half months ago, when that thing broke, I did all I could to fix it. And academically speaking, I'm an engineer, but not practically. Some of you know what that means. I did my best, and I finally gave up my manhood and called Mr. Appliance. (laughs) Mr. Appliance came to the house while my wife was there, and he said, something is broken. Now, does anybody know what this is? This is a heat pump. Mr. Appliance said to fix the heat pump in the dishwasher would cost me $600. So I said, I might as well buy a new one. It costs $850 to fix the dishwasher. So in complete desperation, I as a husband went on Craigslist and found you could buy one of these for 60 bucks. I bid on it 40 and I won it. I went to YouTube crossed my fingers, did my best, opened up this dishwasher, didn't know where to look, found where it went, put it in, put it back in, screwed it, and it worked. Marriage saved. (laughs) Now, you know, when you have broken things like a vacuum cleaner, a dishwasher, air conditioner, it's easy to see and know that they're broken. But often in our lives, they are intangibles that are broken that we let slide. We let them stay unbroken. And you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your faith. I'm talking about your marriage. I'm talking about your finances. Your relationship maybe with your in-laws or a son or a daughter. Where it's just easy because nobody's seeing it. Nobody's tripping over it. It's just easy to keep it unbroken. And for the most part, we don't mean for them to happen. They just almost break on their own out of our control and just we just helplessly let that happen you know we're not just broken personally sometimes collectively we're broken as a community or as a country one of the guys I I like to read a lot is a guy by the name of Franklin Graham you might know him the son of Billy Graham He runs an organization called Samaritan's Purse. And Samaritan's Purse 
goes all around the world doing disaster relief. If there's a country that's broken, if there's a disease, if there's a hurricane, he's there. He sees a lot of broken things. That is his business, fixing broken things. And he, he wrote an interesting article called Government Can't Fix Our Broken Nation. Short article. I want to read you a short paragraph from it. He says this, Our country is hurting. We're in trouble racially, economically, politically, and spiritually. And day after day, the news across our nation reminds us of that. These are just examples of how broken we have become. Government cannot fix this. Elections will not solve this. Our only hope is God, who changes hearts and nations. You know, and as we've been going through this series in Matthew chapter 8 and chapter 9, we've come to a point where we see there's three types of miracles and three ways that I believe God works. And the first type of miracle is a miracle of healing. You might remember the sermon where Jesus meets the centurion. He has a servant that's sick. And the centurion asks for Jesus to heal his servant. And Jesus heals him. This type of miracle is a miracle of healing. The second type of miracle you may remember would be Jesus calming the storms. His power over the elements. And this is a healing of the supernatural, a miracle of the supernatural. And the third type of miracle is Jesus's ability to restore, to fix broken things. And this morning, as we turn to Matthew chapter 9, verse 18 to 26, we're going to see Jesus perform a miracle of restoration. And we find two very different people in one story. This is unique because it's not just one, but two miracles. So will you turn with me? Matthew chapter 9, verse 18 to 26. While he was a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, my daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him and so did his disciples. Just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to him, she said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. When Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and people playing pipes, he said, go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put aside, he went in, took the girl by the hand, and she got up. News of this spread through all the region. And in this story, we find two different people meeting Jesus at his feet. The first in the story is a synagogue ruler. And in the other Gospels in Mark and Luke, we find his name. His name is Jairus. And his job as a synagogue ruler in Capernaum is to take care of the building, the actual synagogue, and the services. 
His entire livelihood centered around this ritual, this place, this ceremony, everything to do with the old system, the system in which Jesus had come and start to turn upside down and disrupt. And no doubt he knew Jesus because the last time Jesus was in Capernaum, he was met with really stiff opposition at the synagogue. But Jairus, no doubt, had seen, had heard of Jesus' ragtag bunch of disciples and followers and had probably seen what Jesus had done. Maybe had even witnessed or heard about some of the miracles. And so this guy who's on the opposite side on a different team has a daughter who's 12 years old and she's dying. And he comes to Jesus. And the reason why he comes to Jesus He is desperate. He has nowhere else to go. Nothing in the ritual system, nothing in the Old Testament law, nothing of what he lived and did for a living could help him because his daughter was dying. And so in his desperation, he falls at Jesus' feet. And the second person we find in this story is a woman who has been bleeding internally for 12 years. We don't get a name from any of the Gospels. But here's what we do know. Medicine in this day and age was suspect at best. One of the cures recorded for somebody with internal bleeding was to fish an oak grain out of cattle's dung and swallow it. Imagine paying for that kind of medicine. And so this woman, no doubt, had paid and spent all of her money on every kind of cure she could find. So now she's broke, she's sick. And to top it all off, if you are bleeding in Jewish life, you are unclean. And you're cut off and sectioned out from society. And if you touch somebody else, you make them unclean. She cannot touch. She cannot be with anyone. And so here we find two people from opposite ends of the spectrum at Jesus' feet. And they are both completely desperate. They're at their wit's end. And it's only at Jesus' feet do we find a leading Jewish man and an anonymous woman with no prestige. It's at Jesus' feet we find the rich and the poor. It's at Jesus' feet we find the clean and the unclean. We find those whose needs are public and those whose needs are private. It's only at Jesus' feet do we find true and long-lasting restoration. And I think this entire passage, these two miracles can be boiled down in this. A healing faith restores It fixes broken things. A healing faith restores. It fixes broken things. C.S. Lewis has an entire book on miracles. And he goes through every type of miracle and he makes the case for it. For healing, for the supernatural, for creation, for everything. But he gets to a point where he basically makes the case that the pivotal miracle. The most meaningful miracle is Jesus dying and being raised from the dead for us. That is the pivotal 
miracle. And he, he says this about that. Jesus did not die for men because they are intrinsically worth dying for, but because he is intrinsically love and therefore loves infinitely. He loves infinitely. And so as we think about this story, I just want to share three ways for us to experience a healing faith, to practically experience more of a healing faith. And the first lesson from this story is this, that a healing faith is one that asks, is one that asks, how willing are you to make yourself undignified to ask? Jairus, although he had the position, he had the wealth, was desperate enough to fall at Jesus' feet and ask, Jesus, my daughter, my 12-year-old daughter is dying. Will you come? Are you willing to ask? Are you desperate enough for those situations in your life where things are broken to ask? Will you disgrace yourself and ask? In our house, we have a tradition called Donut Day. It's one that we inherited from my father-in-law. My father-in-law had this tradition with my wife, Julie. And this is how the tradition goes. On the first Saturday of every month, any of my three kids, when they wake up, if they say, Daddy, it's donut day, I would like to have donuts. I go out and I get them donuts for breakfast. No guilt, no talk about veggies, no calorie counting, no anything. We just have donuts for breakfast. Doesn't matter if it's snowing, I'll have to go out. If I'm on a business trip, I'll have to find a way to deliver on this promise. But when it's donut day, they get to ask for donuts. And if they forget on donut day, I don't remind them. I don't tell them. <laughs> if a neighbor's kid asks me for donut on donut day, I don't give them. If I want to give them, I'll be gracious. But I'm not obligated. And we do this to teach our kids that God has promises for us. And if we're willing to search them out and ask him for them, he will deliver like any good father. And so every month, we share a Bible verse with our kids, a promise, and they memorize that until the next donut day. A healing faith is one that asks. Will you remember that, to ask? The second lesson I think we learn from this story is this, that a healing faith is one that believes. A healing faith is one that believes beliefs. If you look in Mark and Luke's account of this story, you can see it's about twice as long, and there's more details given. And what happens is Jairus' daughter is sick and dying, and he comes to Jesus. And he's begging Jesus to come home with him. And while Jesus is healing and talking to the woman that is bleeding, his daughter dies. And the messengers come, and they say to Jairus, don't bother the teacher anymore. Don't worry, because your daughter has now died. And what does this reveal to us? The messengers think that Jesus has the power to heal the sick, but not raise the dead. And Jairus is left in this position. What does he do? Jesus says, don't worry, don't listen to them, come. And Jairus believes, and he goes with Jesus, even though his daughter has died. There's another account in the New Testament 
of a man who brings his son to Jesus, and his son is sick. He actually brought him to the disciples first, and the disciples could not heal his son. And so he brings his son to Jesus, and Jesus talks to the man and says, Oh, you unbelieving generation, I wish you could believe. And the father says to Jesus this. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. If you have enough, just a seed of belief, you can say to God, I believe. I want to believe. Will you help my unbelief? A healing faith is one that believes. You know why? When I was at the end of high school, my senior year, I wanted to study engineering. And I lived in Jamaica. I wanted to go to engineering in the States. There was no engineering school in Jamaica. And at the time, my parents did not have that amount of money. Not a lot. I had a, actually had a twin that was going off to college at the same time. I had an older brother. So you can do the math. You're an international student. There's no federal aid. Two kids in college already. And during that summer, we decided that I would stay home for a year at least and just work. We'll save all the money. And then by the next summer, we'll see what God would provide. And my parents, especially my mother, was a prayer warrior. And I knew my mom prayed and fasted all the time. But my mom did something that was really interesting. Every day when I woke up, got ready to go for work, my mom would pray with me that God would provide. That if I seek first God's kingdom, that he would add everything else. She did that every day, Monday through Friday. Every day I went to work for an entire year. And the next summer, God had provided enough money for me to go to school for one year or one semester. And so I went off. And during that year, I would see God provide enough for the next year. And he did that over and over again for six years. I went all the way through grad school. And I worked, and God provided. God gave my parents money. And during those six years, as a young man, young in his faith, just going out on his own, I knew exactly where that money was coming from because I had started to believe. My mom had taught me how to believe. Are you taking the steps to learn to believe, to teach your family how to believe, to teach your kids how to believe? A healing faith is one that believes. And you know, after college, I worked. I lost my job one time. I believed that God would provide. There was no anxiety there. I had cars that stopped working suddenly, and I had to buy a new car. I believed that God would provide the money. My wife and I went through the adoption process, and the bill seemed insurmountable. But we believed. We had been taught. I had been taught to believe that God would provide. What are you doing to believe? The last lesson, I believe, is this, that a healing faith is one that receives. A healing faith is one that receives. And if you look back at the story and you think of Jairus, Jairus' expectation is that he would come and Jesus would heal his sick daughter. But he had enough faith and he hung in there. What does he receive? He receives a daughter who's raised back to life. And think about the woman who's bleeding. What was her expectation? Her expectation is that she would quietly go in the crowds without anybody knowing, touch Jesus' cloak, 
she would be healed and she would leave and Jesus would not become unclean. But Jesus heals her and calls her out as an example. And her expectation, she receives something very different. So a healing faith is one that receives. And the lesson is that sometimes receiving requires a different perspective. Sometimes receiving requires a different perspective. And I want to share with you a video from my dear friend Jill. And just her story and her mom and what happened and how receiving for her required a different perspective. What's on your list of things that are broken? Is it your marriage? Are you at the end of your rope with your ability, with your desire to work it out? Is it something that nobody knows, just you and your spouse? What's on your list? Is it a relationship with a son or a daughter? And you've, you've long given up on it. You just don't have the strength to try and repair it, to fix that broken relationship? Is it your finances that are broken? There's just no way out. And like me, the math just probably doesn't add up. There's no way that there is enough money. Is it your health that's broken? That you are just so discouraged and tired of bringing it up to God to pray. And you're broken because of it. Is it yourself? Are you so anxious or insecure about what you will do, where you will go, and what God will provide? That you're broken on the inside. And there's no trust left. And you feel like you're drowning. What's broken? A healing faith is one that restores. It fixes broken things. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God can do that? Ask, believe, and receive. C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, has this great quote, this paragraph. And, you know, as we wind down, I want to read it to you. He says, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right, stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You know that those jobs need, needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers and making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage. But he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. A healing faith restores. It fixes broken things. So as we close, let me invite you. I'm going to read Psalm 40, a psalm of restoration. Close your eyes. If you want to stretch out your hand to receive, you can. But let's read Psalm 40 
and I'll close this off in prayer. It says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you planned for us, none can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Lord, heal the hearts of the broken today. Father, we think of situations in our lives that have been dead and buried. Bring renewed life and restoration today. We pray for family, friends, and all those in our sphere. By our association with you, may they know your power. We pray for marriages to be restored. We pray for health to be restored. We pray for hearts to be restored. We return our hearts to you today away from whatever has occupied them all the while. We thank you for showing us grace, compassion, and mercy. Amen. As you leave today, I wanted every one of you to have a heat pump. <laughs> but we can't afford that. So on your way out, let me invite you to enjoy Donut Day at Browncroft. Grab a donut on the way out. Take your first step in having a healing faith. Have a great Sunday.